I had to shake him on my last case, Big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. I'm one of your five guests this evening. One of your five hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We also have on the line tonight, we'll edit that out, Tom, it's fine. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) We'll see. Mike's got me all nervous here, so we're... uh, Oh, Andy, so, Andy just dropped the spoiler. You're all no, flustered tonight. No I, no, I did not. No, I did not. So we have, we are here on another episode of the Musky Hunks podcast, and we have all five hunks on the line. So we have our Northern historian, Mr. Nick Fiesler with us tonight. Good evening, Ryan. Glad to Hello. be here. How's, uh, Oh my God, dude. I'm blanking. I'm, how's, how's Larissa feeling? That's what I'm going for. Like, how's Larissa doing, dude? Doing great. How's All right. Baby Fiesler, how's Baby Fiesler doing? He's on mute now. Okay. Do we need to start this over? I feel like no, we need to start this over. Doing yeah, good. If you want to restart it, go for it. Lump Jesus. I'm sorry to explode my guy, but that's it's like no one's ever worked on TV here before. <laughs> I, I really, I actually can't believe what I just saw. Not now. Just, why does everyone all of a sudden have to move? I've had two f***ing hours to move around. Wait 10 minutes. And there were seven people, though. I mean, Jesus. It's like no one here has worked on TV before. Roll sound. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks podcast. I'm one of your five hosts this evening. Ryan Reed. And look at this. We have all five hunks on the line. So we're, we're super pumped about tonight. We have a special guest. And uh, let's go ahead and see who we have on the call. So we have our northern historian, Mr. Nick Fiesler. Good evening. Good evening. Nice talking to you, Ryan. Good seeing you, sir. I know. No Donnie, saying, no Donnie saying, hi, Nick. Hi, you ruined it when you made us restart because you oh, blew the yeah. intro. This is the well, secret take two. This is the they're take not supposed two to intro. know that, Donnie. Well, I blew. So the we first also intro. have Donnie, the, we also the have man, Donnie the myth, Swink. the legend, the the sub bumper himself, Donnie Swank. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. Live from the beef. Live from the beef. All, all's good. Beaver, from Beaver, good Beaver beef. County, baby. What the heck, dude? All right. We also have on the phone tonight, Mr. Tom Venata, the two Yellow. Crocs. No Crocs right now. Oh, disappointed. Good. I got to air out these sunburns from the weekend. You're looking pretty toasty. Oh, I'm to- I'm roasted. I can barely move. I feel like my skin shrunk two sizes over the weekend. <laughs> well, it's only the April. Su- the, the, fir- the first the f- sun in Pittsburgh <laughs> will do that to you. The first <laughs> burn of the year. <laughs> We also have on the phone tonight, Mr. Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails. <laughs> Ryan's crying. I know. Good evening, guys. This this has been pretty funny so far. <laughs> good evening, guys. It's, this has been uh, it's this is going to be a good one here. Um, good one. Um, Gar- Ryan's all flustered tonight because of our special guest. I don't know what's happening to me tonight. <laughs> I'm losing it. I can't handle it. But it is good to see you guys 
for another episode of our podcast. So I'm super excited about it. And uh, we're going to skip all of the formalities because I don't think I could make it through asking <laughs> Owen how his family's doing right now. Yeah, we're just going to we're just going to move on to our, our guest that has Ryan all flustered. Let's and that's what it. happens when that's what happens when you step it up in the podcast world and you, and you get a big time guest. Not that our previous guests haven't been big time, but this Ooh. is somebody that, you know, I've been really, you know, I've followed him for since 2017. I'll cut right to it. It's Mike Nabolsi, who is the creator of water wolf lures and we'll get into kind of like i'll say bass magnet lures too, like kind of the origin of the business but mike it is great to have you on the podcast here tonight we've we're really excited to talk to you about uh about all the baits that you make and just kind of how you got into bait making uh so before we get started i want to introduce you know you to introduce yourself you are not local to us. We are all Western Pennsylvania guys. Um, so we're United States guys. So I'm hoping that our listeners are going to get from this podcast, like, hey, you should probably order some water wolf lures because, uh, you know, it, they, they freaking work. And I can, I can attest to that. So, Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, thanks very much, Owen. It's uh, great for you guys to have invited me in. Um, I really appreciate it. Like I said, this is just my third podcast. So, um, you know, I'm a little nervous too, just like the rest of you guys. This is like I've never done a Zoom call either. This is just like the Brady Bunch. You ever? It is the oldest guy here. So I, I like to think of myself as Marsha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I have been to Pennsylvania before. In fact, that's when the dollar was par, probably about uh, oh, eight or nine years ago. We drove down and bought our boat uh, in Pennsylvania. Actually, okay. did you really? Where'd you, where? Yeah. What part? Uh, you know what? I can't remember where it was, but it's somewhere in the mountains. You guys have mountains. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. We've got the Appalachians. Like, we got some pretty significant yeah, it, mountains. It, it, I just remember driving through this huge tunnel that went through a mountain going down that way. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I was thinking the same damn thing. It might have been Richland Marine. Because that's, that's in Johnstown, Dro- right yep. through the tunnel. Up in the mountains. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, just, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but. Um, that's all right. But I wanted to buy a Ranger boat so bad, but I couldn't afford a new one. And, you know, you're just looking on, you know, all these classified ads and whatnot. And I can't remember where I found it. I just Googled like Ranger for sale. And uh, here was one that was on consignment at a marina in Pennsylvania. And it just happened to be a fellow, unfortunately, that had a heart, heart attack and his wife was selling it. So we drove down there and we chatted with her for a while. Super nice lady. And it turned out to be Crash's boat from Crash's Landing. One of his guys. But they couldn't move that in that area because apparently everybody has John boats and they would want to buy a, you know, a 19 and a half foot Ranger. It just doesn't work out there. So the rivers are rough on, uh, on Rangers down here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, that was like a, a really good buy, and uh, I love the boat. It's really good. So we've looked after it, and I've had it for almost eight or nine years now, and uh, just keep looking after it because I can't afford a new one the way the price of the boats are now. <laughs> oh, anyways, they're not cheap. No, no. So so just a let's, little. Bit. Let's back up a little bit, and 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 so how did you? Are, where are you from? You were from Ontario, right? Um, I was actually born in Germany. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, huh. yeah. I moved to to Canada when I was two, so I was told. 
and uh, moved all around Ontario. Uh, my parents, my dad worked retail and uh, in management, and we just moved all around Ontario and, and settled in Southern Ontario. Uh, and I think it was what, about, I'm trying to think I'm so old now. Finished up uh, high school in around the 80s, went to Natural Resources College, wanted to become a conservation officer. That was, that was my thing. Went through, uh, through college in, in Sault Ste. Marie, which is kind of northern Ontario. I don't know if you know that area or not. It's, uh, it's near. Were you a fisherman growing up? Like when, before you went to college as a kid, were you fishing? Like, is that what got oh, you into the outdoors? Yeah, I, I just love fishing from, I can remember in my earlier years when we lived in Toronto, there's a place called High Park and they have a pond that connects to Lake Ontario. And I used to go there all the time with just, you know, a little Snoopy rod or something like that and uh, catch bluegills and uh, try to catch the trout that they put in there. They stocked them in there. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much where I got kind of hooked on fishing. Um, and it carried on from there. So every time we moved to new place, I found new places to go fishing. My parents lived up in Pembroke, which is uh, probably about two hours north of where we are right now. And the walleye fishing is just awesome up there. So we did a lot of walleye fishing and, and uh, brook trout fishing. And yeah, from there I went to college. Um, but I found out after that government jobs weren't what I wanted to do, uh, although I love the outdoors. Um, and after three years of college, my dad said, well, here, you can't find a job in, in the government. You can go work for Sears, right? So I right. retail for, oh, well over 20 years. I worked with a number of different retailers. And when we moved down to this end, uh, uh, down to Shannonville, Belleville area, um, we started fishing. My wife and I started fishing. We actually met in a, at a flying fishing lodge. I worked as a guide north of Wawa for a while. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was that was something else. It's quite a lifestyle. I don't know if you guys have ever gone to a flying camp before. I ha Well, I have not gone to a flying camp. I've done two fly-in canoe trips with my dad where we would fly into the Quetico and, oh, and yeah. canoe back out. But yep. uh, so I've but what I, he and I always talked about doing one of these fly in pike fishing trips yep. uh, to, to like, you know, Saskatchewan or something like that. We're just a, but we've just never it's never materialized. It's been pretty hard lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, we uh, that's where I met my wife. Actually, it was at a, at a flying lodge north of Wawa. And uh, we just moved around probably for about three or four years and then finally settled down where we are now in this area. Um, and when we first moved here, when you live in Northern Ontario, you normally don't have a larger boat because most of the lakes we, we went to were all on gravel roads. So we, we had this uh, pickup truck with a metal frame on the top. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You put your boat on the, the top of that, just like a 12 foot. <laughs> we, we go around to all these lakes and go camping every weekend, that type of thing. But once we moved down here, it was a different story. So we ended up buying a bass boat, got hooked on bass fishing. And what got me started um, with soft plastics was um, the late, the early 90s, uh, there were a lot of bass tournaments in this area. Um, guys like Bob Azumi, I'm not sure if you the oh, name. Yeah, fish yeah. Canada. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
um, I had the opportunity to sit in as a, what they call a scrutineer or a not, it's not a co-angler. In some of the tournaments, you would just sit in the back and net fish and weigh them and, and you know, do the live. Make walk. sure someone's not cheating. Yeah, that and too. Like, that too. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, I ended up sitting in with uh, with a lady angler from Burlington, uh, Annie Zulian. And she was using these soft plastics. And, you know, when you're a bass angler, soft plastics are the rage. You know, you're always looking for the latest, greatest color or shape, mm -hmm. you know along those lines but hand pours had these like a mystique about them you know it wasn't something you'd go and get like a berkeley power bait which are great too mind you but to have someone make a bait especially for you and you could pick the colors and that sort of thing was pretty intriguing so i ordered some from california and uh i'm i'm, I'm pretty crafty you know i like making things i like uh i probably like the the r d part of uh, making lures more than the actual manufacturing, but I don't have a choice. <laughs> no. I mean, did you have, I mean, did you have a hobby before this? Like, had you been into something that got you into this or was it like, Oh shit, I'm just going to buy a bunch of, of Alumisol and start pouring, pouring baits. That's what happened. Right. I just, huh. we made them and it was like, well, if someone else can make them, why right. not try? Right. Watching Larry Dahlberg make, make soft, plastic baits that was like what what watching him make mr wiggly's yeah. like had me totally inspired to make a soft plastic bait i have yet to successfully make one but that's he's still story. got the plastics the dyes and everything oh yeah, in his yeah room. seals aren't I, even i have open. it all i have it all <laughs> and it's all because of you and we'll, and it's all because of you and we'll get to that we'll get to that, yeah. that but yeah i, was, I have it i was all. gonna say he caught one big fish on your baits and then now he's there's no sense trying to that. yeah it's <laughs> right. it happens to all of us believe me <laughs> you know so yeah we i just researched on the internet and at the time facebook wasn't really that big so there weren't, weren't a lot of groups to go to but we had forums you know so there were soft plastic forums one that's still around is uh tackle underground i don't know if you guys have ever heard of that one yeah it, it's so like i mean their uh their website is so old and antiquated but very much so people still go there and the amount of knowledge you can get just by searching those forums you can learn so much and that's where i picked up most of it and then you know just by talking to people where you buy your plastic where you get your glitter you know that type of thing um, and then it just started to, to steamroll from there. You know, I learned a little bit, made a lot of mistakes, um, you know, burnt a lot of plastic in microwaves. You don't want to do that. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then followed people like Larry, um, who's probably gotten thousands of anglers into making their own baits, you know, and the guy is just so, so smart. And, and the things that he does, like I've seen when he went to Costa Rica and, you know, he got a whole oh, yeah. involved in making baits and selling them as, you know, so they can make money, make a living, which is pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Larry, if you're listening out there, we've, we've talked about you a number of times on this podcast. I've reached out, I've reached out by email. I haven't heard back. So Larry, we, we want you on here. Been, been throwing I, I rocks at your brain. window every night. <laughs> yeah. I'm outside his, his window with a boom. Writing box. letters, no answers so far. If you've seen Larry that, Dahlberg, please call us. Yeah. I don't think that man is ever home. <laughs> yeah. no. He's Why just we, such yeah. a fascinating guy in, in watching him the way he thought about, oh, I can take a lure that I already know about and works, you know, re relatively well. I can 
ch- tweak it. I can change it in in whatever way. He just opened my 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 eyes to the ability to do whatever you wanted to do with Bates if you really put your mind to it. And you know, before the Shadzilla was, I don't was that the first you know swim like paddle tail swim bait on the musky market. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, how I actually came up with that idea, and I do this from, from for a lot of baits that we do create, is I, I build up bass baits, basically. Right, because so, you, yeah, you started with bass baits, and were, yeah. you doing a, were you doing a paddle tail swim bait in the bass, in your bass line? Yes, yeah. We, uh, we made, I think, three or four different sizes, um, from three inches up to, I think, six inches of a hollow body style. There's a company out of California called Bastrix, uh, B-A-S-S-T-R-I-X, I believe. And at the time when we were in tournaments, uh, you get to see all these new and up and coming companies that, especially out of California, I mean, that is the hotbed. Oh, for yeah. Technology. Technology. Well, yeah. Swim baits, too. And just those giant baits. Yeah. Those guys are crazy for swim baits, both soft and hard there, you know. Um, so yeah, there's a company called Bastrix and I was intrigued because there was a, a period of time where hollow body swim baits were very, very popular for bass fishing. So we started making those. Um, and then, uh, I love fishing pike, uh, and we do pike tournaments. My wife and I do pike tournaments every year in the area and nice. we go to do them as well. And that was one of the reasons we started that. Um, and is I, the, uh, does the top 50 pike come out to your guys way? Yeah, that's actually where I just uh, put in for one in Huntsville, which is okay. uh, in the Skokas. I'm not sure if you know where that is. Yeah. It's yep. Far north of Toronto. That's what a couple of my friends uh, won the one in Killarney, Ontario last oh, year. Oh, on Georgian Bay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they were all excited. There's some big pike in there. Oh, yeah. I think the biggest they got there was 46 inches last year. That's a big Something pike. Like that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, now but you know throwing shad, throwing shadzillas. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah. I do get I get guys from top fifty that that will order shadzillas uh, specifically for that. And then, you know, it's that tournament angler mentality. You're not fishing for those thirty six inch pike. They're not going to win the tournament for you. So right. you got to go for broke. That's cool. Very cool. So, so, so you, so you go from first. Let me let me start here. Because I don't know the difference between a hollow hollow body. I mean, I know the difference in the sense that I, I've I've fished fish shadzillas a lot. I know the difference that the, it is a hollow body. Where because I actually you you don't know this. You pro, you just sent me probably twenty baits earlier this year. I um, recognized your name, Owen. Yeah, um, yeah. My name, my my last name tends to be kind of uh, it kind of st- stands out. <laughs> it was, it was know, the first name from the crowd. <laughs> But for the uh, the unrigged version, because I have a whole bunch of your the weighted rigs, because year five years ago when I thought about pouring my own you know rubber rubber baits, I was going to design one so that it would fit on that um, that weighted body that you make, so that I didn't have to recreate the you know recreate the the internal rigging system i figured hey i if i if i'm gonna learn i can learn based on this 
this body and I never ended up doing it. So I've, I had like 20 or 30 of those bodies laying around. So I've ordered like 20, 20 or 30 different Shadzilla bodies, the unrigged ones. And I just rig them up whenever I want them. I got a whole, I got a whole stack of them in my, in my shop. <laughs> They're not that hard to rig once you've done one or two. Right. So back to your question. Um, essentially there are two different types of hollow body lures. So there's tubes, right? Which are dipped like a candle. So essentially you can dip them vertically up and down into a pot, or you can dip them horizontally, um, which I think Red October still does. Uh, because there's, I know the guys, Mark uh, and Hans and those guys, right. when, we, when we used to do shows, they're super nice guys. And mm-hmm. um, absolutely like those guys, they make a great product. Anyways, you can you can dip like a candle, right? And that's how the Shadzillas are dipped. But instead of on a round rod, it's a flat blade. And essentially, the tail is formed. um, What I first used was a Colorado blade, and I put a slit in it and stuck it on the blade, right? Okay. To that point, and then you have to be very careful just to um, push the tail just in enough to coat the tail and then lift back up again, right? And the Shadzilla has made, I think there's five consecutive dips for it, but each dip you have to pull it out and it has to go on a rack and, and completely drip and dry, or well, I should say solidify. Cure, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and you trim off the drip and then you put it back in again. So um, normally in a run, we can do about 750 at a time. But it, wow. it takes a long time because I would say four days to dip them all, right? And after they're ready to paint, the painting probably takes another week or so. And then after that, the eyes get stuck on, but you have to actually use a special um, glue so that the eyes don't um, fall off. <laughs> right. It's, it's a little intricate. It's just things that we've learned as we've, uh, we've come along throughout the years. And then the eyes are actually coated in the glue too. So when we dip the final clear coat over top, they bond as, as best you can anyways um, to the whole body. And on that clear coat, just before we do that, um, the blades that we put in um, are exacto blades and they go on the top of the bait and they get stuck into it. And then when we clear coat over top of the blade, that's what forms the hollow fin on the top. So, okay. So, so I'm, I, I'm trying to envision this and I, I know exactly what you're talking about because your, your baits have that, the opening at the top, that top slit. And so where that the top harness slit, goes in. Th- that's right. That's where you harness, the harness goes down in, but th- yeah. that's where you put the exacto blades to. Yes. Okay. So when you're saying that you dip it five times, is it it's always in that same kind of vertical or uh, um you know it's the bait is horizontal and you're dipping it vertically like this right so the nose is tail nose okay so it's nose down tail up yeah now is each layer of plastic colored or they is the built up on a clear and then the last couple it's clear Yeah, that just it gives us more versatility by using the clear uh, plastic. We could, you know, if we did say, for instance, all chartreuse, 
you could use that as a base color. Um, but because of the number of different orders we get for the baits, essentially the easiest way for me able to, to do as many baits and as much variety in a run is to do clear plastic and then paint them all. Okay. That was what so, I was so even sure the, of. Even the midnight, you know, the black, the blackest black Shadzilla yeah. with the chartreuse tail. Yes. It is a clear bait. And then yeah. that is completely painted. Yes. Wow. And then has another yeah. coat over top of it to seal it all. Yeah. Okay. Very I did cool. not expect that. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, when I look at a port, when I look at those baits, I'm thinking that they're poured that way. That it, at least in some way, the, the base color is poured a certain way. And then you paint from there, there on. Because painting is a pain in the ass. It, it, it takes a lot of time in the paint. Like everything we get uh, in terms of raw materials pretty much comes from the U.S., um, this, especially the Southern U S is kind of like this, the plastisol Mecca. That's where a lot of your manufacturers are, are coming from, from Georgia. Kind of the bass, the bass belt down there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you get a lot of, and, and that industry has a lot of spinoffs. You'll get all the CNC companies that actually make bass molds. So you can molding, yeah. molding that type of thing from there. But yeah, so it's, it's probably, the least expensive way to set up manufacturing, but in the other uh, respect, it's the most expensive in the sense that time, it takes a lot more time to make a Shadzilla as opposed to something like say uh, cast Poseidon, right? So right. it's uh, injection mold. Yeah, it's, 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 it's partial. Some of them are injection, some of them are, are injection poor. It just depends on how the bait's made, but you, as a, as a bait maker, I can look and see where it's been injected. You look for where the sprue has been cut off, right? And that type of thing. And, and that's what we're working towards is uh, we will have a solid Shadzilla sometime in the future. <laughs> you know, hey, I, do you it, think there's a benefit to that? I mean, what's um, what? Because I find that they tear apart just just the same as as a Shadzilla does. Rubber is rubber. Like it's going to that's not going to be a. Uh, unless you can come up with a different rubber that doesn't tear as easily making we it use, solid or making it or, or making it, you know, hollow, I don't think would, would really affect the longevity of the baits. Um, it will, to some extent, it depends how the harness is placed on the inside and it depends on the plastisol that they use too. Uh, our, our, our Calhoun plastisol, um, each plastisol has its own, um, that's where I'm looking for like viscosity or uh, ductility kind of flexibility yeah they all have that <laughs> all those a little bit all those abilities it's, how about this it has its own personality if you will yeah mm -hmm. okay the finished product you know the basically plastic saws you can get from a soft gooey dough all the way up to a hard you know um, something that's tube tube hardness right and they all can do that, but some plastisols have more tear resistance than others. Um, so is, this is just one that we stuck with throughout the years and they've always been really good to us. Um, but the, uh, the difference between the solid body and the hollow body, yeah. you, can, you can go softer in a solid body and not have the issue of having a, a harness tear out as easily. Okay. Oh, what that what that translates into is you can do a slower roll. You can put less weight in that bait, 
and you can fish slower. Um, it has still get the tail that your body roll. Over. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm kind of working on. Now. It's going to take a few years. I'm just starting to design um, the body, and we're going to try to make it the same as the same shape, basically as a Shadzilla. Now, I don't want to, you know, try and go in a different direction because it's a winning 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 formula already. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Mike, I think we kind of like got you sidetracked on your history. We were talking about the pike. <laughs> I know we started asking questions about dipping and stuff, but I'm curious how you were talking about the pike fishing with the Shadzillas. How, when did the musky thing come into play? Was that like by total coincidence or did you get a suddenly find a love for musky or? I did. How did that I did. Okay. I did actually. Yeah. I uh, just met a few friends that, that musky fished in, in the, uh, the area we live in now has a, a couple lakes that are pounded but they just turn out huge fish. Um, a good friend of mine, Nick Pujic, um, who runs Vantage Media House, uh, just uh, down the road from me, actually. He does uh, videography for fishing shows like um, Facts of Fishing with uh, Dave Mercer. I'm not sure if you know, know the name around. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, so Nick's pretty connected and, and he loves fly fishing for uh, pike and muskie. That's his thing. So we went out fishing once to a lake called Stoko Lake, which is uh, near Tweed. Well, it's actually right in the town of Tweed. And um, I was hand pouring some swim baits at the time to test them out. And uh, we caught a few fish and one was, was just over 50 and we just couldn't believe it because, you know, sometimes you just have dumb luck where it rolls to the bottom and you let it sit there and the fish picks it up off the bottom. And that's what happened. Um, mm-hmm ended up with a couple of nice fish there and it was like wow here's a whole new world on baits i can make you know um the first molds that i got you can buy them pretty much anywhere there, there's companies like Lurecraft um that sell silicone molds which are relatively inexpensive um it's just a blue rtv silicone that's that's heat resistant and i started pouring those and then it was kind of like oh what about these bass baits that uh, we dip and it went from there, and that's how the Shadzilla came to fruition. I was just going to say, we we kind of talked about the whole hollow body thing, too. And I remember, Owen, oh, we were talking about that the one weekend up at Canandota, how the hollow body just has a totally different kind of pliability and a diff- different action than, like, a hard body, like a Poseidon or a swimming dog or, like, your typical hard swim baits. Yeah, I don't know what exactly it is. And I've, I've said this before because I've tried them all. Um the first swim bait I had ever thrown was a Shadzilla caught a big fish on it. And when I came back to the States, I didn't have any Shadzillas. You couldn't get, but you couldn't get any Shadzillas. You know, I, at that time, I, I believe that, you know, it was, you were pretty backed up on, I, this was in 2017. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the only thing I could get that was similar that I wanted to go out and try was a, a Poseidon. So I bought a Poseidon two Poseidons and I am out casting and I'm like, man, this thing just doesn't feel the same. Like, I, you know, I'm thinking it's, it looks the same. It's, it's, it's in, in, in back then I didn't have one, a uh, slightest bit of the experience that I have now, which is still very little. 
So mm. I didn't, I wouldn't know the difference between two baits, but I knew a difference between those two baits. Like I knew that that bait didn't cast as well. It didn't swim as well. I didn't feel as confident as I, as I did with a Shadzilla. So I don't know what it is about that hollow body construction. It's, it, it really has always made a big difference. Even the swimming dogs, I don't think fish the same way. They're all different body shapes and yeah different tapers to the tails and there's just there's so many different ways you can make a swim bait make your head spin you know oh, yeah but yeah they're solid bodies uh and you'll find with with some of those solid body baits the plastic's harder you probably noticed that makes them more durable yes. it mm-hmm. does make them more durable um and what they have to do to make them swim uh properly at slower speeds is they'll taper down the tail section so you notice that in both of those baits they're slimmer than the Shadzilla is in that tail section. And that just yeah. allows the tail to rotate and rock the bait, you know? So essentially they do the same thing. It's just, there are intricacies to each bait. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I know musky guys are probably going to get mad at me for saying this, but I truly believe that bass guys know way more about soft plastics than musky guys. Cause I mean, soft plastics are like a bass guy's life. So I think coming from a bass background, that might've really, made a difference maybe i'm wrong there but no no you're you're not you're not um like how long has it been it's been well over 15 years since we started making them um where we really started fishing them was lake st Clair, um and i met a fellow by the name of simon barth who uh, has lake run fishing and he's a charter captain on he does lake erie and uh, st Clair. and when i brought one out to fish with him um, he unlocked it for me, really. We went out and we fished the Detroit River, and you guys have probably been there before. Haven't, yeah. I have not. I have I not. Oh, my. Yeah, it's close, but. <laughs> yeah. I have. It isn't what it was back, you know, 10 years ago, you know, and, uh, but it's still pretty good. There's a lot of fish there. They're just not trophy class fish most of the time. Like you see the charter captains, and, you know, they'll, they'll probably get a 54 or 56 once a year but the majority of those fish are you know 45s you know yeah. is common size there but it's still a hell of a lot of fun like if, yeah oh yeah and they're on that place is just crazy but anyways so simon took me out and uh i remember launching in a place called bell river um which is this the ontario side almost the south end of lake st Clair. And I hopped in with him and a couple other guys and we're going out and I look and oh, you can't see land on the other side. So I put my life jacket on and we, we launch and they're all kind of looking at me and we go out about 200 yards and stop. <laughs> and, and they just start, oh, we're here. It was like, what? <laughs> you know, and it's like, there's nothing. St. Clair's a bowl. Right. Right. But those fish just sit on the bottom and look up and wait for those giant shad to swim by. And once we started fishing, you know, I think I probably lost 10 fish until I finally got onto it. I was using a bass hook set. That's why, <laughs> you know, they're trying to break the rod when I set the hook and uh, I just wasn't quite at that level yet. So <laughs> I put in, but it was a blast fishing there. I haven't been out there in probably four or five years now, but I learned so much going there. Just, uh, I mean, the, the more fish you connect with, the more you understand about the lures too, right? Right. Yeah. right right That's we've awesome. talked about we've talked about that tom's tom always preaches to us like 
even if you're catching trout, whatever, you know, the more reps are reps, contact, man. The better fisherman you're going to mm-hmm. become, and it's going to translate into money. You know, so trout. They hate count. hearing even, it. Even Thomas props. Give giving Tom Tom a little bit here. Come on, come on. <laughs> I was kind of more. I mean, I, I agree there too for sure. But I was talking more along the lines of like developing a swim bait because I mean, like as a musky guy, I, when you're talking about like the tapers of the bodies and stuff, like yeah. I get that now. But when I look at a swim bait, I'm just like, oh, okay, it has like a paddle tail. Like it's the paddle tail is going to kick. I don't think as a musky guy, like I don't think about the tapers and stuff. I feel like that's like a really like a bass swim bait kind of thing. Like those guys that are nuts over swim baits. It's like real technical, the shapes, the. Well, yeah. Okay. So how did, how many iterations of the Shadzilla did you have to go through, you know, you know, creating molds or whatever you need to, because obviously you don't start with the production that you have right now. Right? No, no, no. Okay. It's, uh, so you start from somewhere. So you got to start and you got a prototype from some some place, and you 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 get a shape and you prototype it in some way. Are you are you prototyping it in that dipping formation, like that dipping manner? How do you how do you do that? Um, you're right. Prototyping it like that. It, it started with first of all the blanks that we dip on. Uh, are basically just a sheet. They're cut out of a sheet, a sheet of stainless steel, and it's it's the shape that dictates the the finished product. So as you dip them, you really don't have control of of the the actual shape. You have control of perhaps the thickness of the bait, and the only way you can control that is the temperature of the plastisol. So the hotter it is, the thinner your coats are going to be. Right? It gets more viscous as the hotter the plastic gets. Um, so you have to get that balance right. And at the same time, your thickness and, and your softness, the, the ratio has to be there too. Because if you have a really thick bait and it's too hard, it won't swim. We went through uh, probably a year or so where I made the baits too hard because I wanted them to last longer. Basically, I tried to do a, a multi-density dip bait. So I'd start with a hard section on the first dip and then go to softer plastic for the few, like another three dips and then do a hard coating over top of that. But it didn't work out. So I had to go back because people were saying they, you know, they'd have to swim them too fast to get them to swim properly, fish them too okay. fast. So yeah, it, there's, there's a lot of variations that you can go through. Um, when we first started, it was just getting the blade size, right? Because getting them off of the blade is also another challenge, right? Um, Tubes, because there are no holes, um, fins or anything like that, um, you can blow off with an air compressor. So when we all of our tubes now, we just shoot them off with uh, with air. But okay. the shell, because it's got that fin opening, you, right. as soon as you pop air through the back end, that fin blows open, right? So right. you have to use a lubricant to get it off, which is a little tricky. But uh, when I was first doing it, I tore a lot of baits, you know, I can imagine, I can yeah. only imagine how much, you know, the R and D that has to go into that. Holy cow. Yeah. So yeah. you use a lubricant just to get the Shadzilla's off of the, yeah. off of the, the mold. Off of the, yeah, the dipping, the dipping blank, if you will. And you'll see that in some of the pictures on our website or on Instagram, you'll see all the Shadzilla's on a rack. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically what they're doing there is, is it's their coat hangers that are stuck in the, uh, on a plywood sheet and they sit on an, on an angle head nose up so that the oil can drain out of them okay. and sit like that overnight before 
uh, Mary and I packages them and then she, we take them all into her office and she rigs them all. So that's what she's doing this week. Nice. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I was wondering is, you know, when you, when you're pouring these baits, especially I shouldn't say pouring, you're dipping these baits when you, you the very first production model, you, know, you come up with model number one, you know, V one, what V what version are we on today as compared to where you were whenever you started, however many years ago, probably seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like some things come quick and others take a while. Like the, uh, there's one bait that we just brought it this year, uh, the Grubzilla. Mm -hmm. That kind of took the internet by storm. That one, that one took a while, but it was quicker than the, uh, than the Shadzilla. I'm not sure why sometimes you just get lucky, you know, and and it, it works properly. Um, and, and now we built a new place a couple of years ago and I've got a pool here so I can go and rather than having to drive the Check them out. backyard and throw, yeah, all I hear from Mary is, do you have hook protectors on those trebles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, Cause yeah, the Grubzilla, that's a, a, a versatile bait. Cause you can have two, you know, you can have two different types of, I guess, head formations. You can have the, the, the double bladed, right. Yeah. Yeah, and and the nice other one, bait. what's that? Buzz bait attachment. Yeah, yeah like yeah. A, like yeah. A, like a, now, do you consider that to be a top water or is oh, yeah. enough weight that it like sits down in the water or how does yeah. that bait work? Yeah, it's it's got a an internal harness uh, that that's got a little bit of lead in it, and it sits down just subsurface, so it's easy for them to suck down. Um, and you can also fish that. I'm working on. Uh, on a lead mold right now with my CNC guy, uh, with, uh, with a screw in weight. Okay. And there's, there's already a bait out there, a whale tail, which I've never seen before in my hands anyways. But my intention at first was to use, uh, you know, the Grubzilla as a, we always made it with a buzz bait last year when we tested it. And then I was like, okay, you can put, uh, you know, a doze, what they call a dozer. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. put in front of stuff, right? People have been putting them on in front of swim baits and whatnot. So um worked on a couple of those. And then the seven, was it seven Colorado nine musky magnum blade put out a wicked vibration. And uh so that's what we've gone to on that as an attachment. Um, and I'm also working on a chatter blade, but it hasn't, it's been a lot more work than I thought it would be. <laughs> I would imagine you'd almost you'd almost need a giant chatter blade for that. It's big, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the the whole thing is, if it's too big, then it comes to the surface because of that resistance, right? So it's with these weighted screws that I've got might be able to fine tune the weight. Yeah, yeah, that's the hard part because most chatter baits you see are attached to a lead head, right? And that helps. So because I've got friends out in. at St. Clair, the troll chatter baits. Oh, really? Like oh, wow. five mile an hour. <laughs> My, there's there's weight in front of that. Yeah. Too. You would but you would think the chatter bait would just destroy itself before you know. I know. Chatter <laughs> itself to pieces. <laughs> well, you mentioned yeah. just a second ago the whale tail, and Tom and I yeah. were out fishing this past weekend, and Tom was throwing one of those giant whale tails quite a bit, and. Yeah. That's an that was actually the little bait. one. That was the smallest because size they make. 
Oh, was it? Yeah, that was the baby whale tail. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Because, I mean, that's an interesting bait because it's it's incredibly simple. I mean, there is mm. not much to it. It's Curly tail grub? It's, I consider it kind of like a bondy. You know how a bondy is a very unsophisticated looking bait? Um, the whale tail is a very unsophisticated looking bait. Back but to the basics. But it works. It catches fish. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It catches fish. Yeah. And, I, and I think the grub, I think the grubzilla kind of, reminds me of that type of thing where it's just kind of a a simple looking thing that it just looks like it's going to catch fish Mm -hmm. you know in a very simple and you can do it in a multiple different ways i think the difference between uh the grubzilla and the whale tail uh, the biggest difference and this came in design for us was that our line attachment is at the nose and the whale tail Mm -hmm. is at a 60 degree on the hood yeah so the buzz really do you know that sort of thing with uh, it has to be right at the dead center of the lure and um again with a dozer double dozer blade again same thing right and now the chatterbait blade may have worked better on a 60 degree line tie um but that's where i'm you know having to, to tinker with it but we'll get there i can't wait to try it because in the pool the rod tip just goes nuts when i'm bringing it in <laughs> well, we just had that New York Muskie Expo not too long ago, and I was on the hunt for a Grubzilla because I'm excited to try it night fishing. That was the first thing I thought of because I'm a big night guy, and I saw uh, a video of that Grubzilla ticking, and I was like, oh, I got to get one of those. Well, Tom, yeah. it was kind of funny because you you gave me a buzz bait maybe like mm-hmm. three years, two, two yeah, three years ago. That was the first ago, Muskie lure I ever got. Yeah, and you were like, you know, we should think about, you know, making something like this, and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we... We talk a lot of shit and never, it got back never burned. end up doing anything. Throw it on the back burner, like the soft <laughs> yeah. plastics. Right. Right. So, you know, it's it's guys like Mike that are out there actually making shit happen. Yeah. yeah. Doing all the shit that we talk about doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I give that fishing. I give most of my fishing up so I can do that. So you guys are lucky. <laughs> well, that's Taking the thing the that team. most you hear that from a lot of bait makers is that you know quite honestly it becomes when it's your business it's about bait making and it's you know fish catching becomes secondary uh and that's that's an unfortunate part of it but you know so that kind of takes me to another question i had which was when did you decide to make bait making your your full-time business uh that would have been about eight years ago Okay. Uh, I, I was working for a retailer and uh, it was in Belleville and I worked there full time and was making baits probably about probably eight to 10 years before that. So I was doing both at the same time and it got to the point where the candle had melted. <laughs> there was yeah. no left, you know, and <laughs> just done. Yeah, I was done. Like, I mean, physically done. It got to the point where I was going to uh, to stores like Monkey Shop, uh, and the uh, the Shadzilla just took off when, when we started selling them there. I just, excuse me, I just couldn't keep up with it. So it got to the point where it's like, okay, gotta make a decision, right? And I'll tell you something. Uh, you want to shit your pants is when you quit your full time job to, to try and make a hobby. <laughs> to a business <laughs> i can only imagine stuff. man yeah honestly i can only imagine yeah, yeah the, and, and it's really a question i've 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 had i've had for a number of guests like when 
like Van, we we have a, an episode with Vance that will be coming out from. He's a, a guide down here, and that that was a big question I had for him was when did you make the decision to just leave it and make musky fishing your thing? So it fascinates me that guys in in like you do it and are are a success and can sit here eight years later and say, hey, this worked out for me. I made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's commitment. I mean, you, you won't get anywhere. You know, that. I mean, it's yeah. anything else in life. If you don't totally commit yourself to doing something, especially like this, where, you know, your whole, you know, my wife just had a baby when we were doing it too. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, yeah. It was, that was scary. Um, we, uh, we had some savings and that went into floating us for the first three years because we knew that, you know, as a two-person operation, you can't ramp up sales that quick. It's impossible. We had to build, you know, a customer base and so on and um, work on our website because I knew that website was probably where the majority of our sales were going to come from in the future. I just didn't anticipate, you know, something like COVID um, because when when we went uh, two years ago and got into that whole website, probably got inundated. Yeah, it was crazy. Like our sales doubled in a year. It was yeah. You know, now, now it's kind of tapering down a bit and I'm kind of like, oh, that's probably a good thing, you know, because I have time to go turkey hunting or something. <laughs> well, did you get started with doing musky shows or like, how did you first break into the, how did you get the Shadzilla on the market? Uh, a combination of the internet and, and shows. Definitely. Our, our first show was uh, the musky odyssey when it was down in St. Catharines okay. and at the time we were doing a number of shows and I really didn't know a lot about the Odyssey. So uh, my wife, Mary went down with her mom <laughs> and they got <laughs> the Odyssey. Well, Gord Pizer was there and he was doing a musky seminar and it just happened to be about swim baits, soft plastic swim baits. So all I get is this phone call after he was done his seminar and they said, Oh my God. So we don't have anything left. They said they were just inundated after the, you know, the guys got out of the seminars. Like they get all wired up after hearing all this and want to try out a soft plastic swimming bait. So it, it went really well. And then we did the Odyssey a number of times. I, I haven't made it. Uh, I think now, well, because of COVID and this last one, it was going it was not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it, it, they decided yeah. to do it. Last and, minute, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm going to go for sure next year because it's just not only the you know the selling part, but just the camaraderie of meeting fellow bait makers and guys oh, yeah. with and met. I miss that so much. That, that oh, yeah. you know. we've had so we've you know we've done a couple of podcasts about our experiences as new on the newly kind of involved in that at that side of things with you know me having a booth at a couple of, of events and it it really changes your perspective on things and being able to talk to the guys that are out there making the baits and I I I like I enjoy that aspect of it as much as you know okay, I'm selling baits and making money. But then again, I have not, you know, it's not my main source of income with, with, with guys that it, this is their main source of income. I would imagine that that type of stuff becomes stressful. You know, you've, oh, yeah. Yeah. you got to make, you know, you're, you got to make, make, make your nut. Yeah. I listened to your podcast. That was great. And, and <laughs> a lot of truths in that podcast. That's for sure. I mean, I, <laughs> 
I know guys that went to the last Odyssey and, you know, they're just starting out and, you know, we're messaging back and forth. How's it going? You know, are you selling stuff? You know, what's the Odyssey like? What's the traffic like? And that type of thing. And, you know, one guy's like, ah, oh. you know, he had really great baits and he's just starting off. So not everybody knows about you. Right. right. And, and as you know, baits have to get proven before people start buying in, in numbers. Um, so, so it was like, oh, well, I remember what I did the one time is like, go find a retailer because they're always looking for new baits. Right. So he went over to a fella and next thing you know, they, they dropped a grand on baits for him and he made his money back that, you know, on that turn or yeah. Covered his costs. I'm sure. Yeah. Covered his costs. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's true. Like it's easy to look at the guys at those shows that, that sell out, you know, in, in a couple of hours or that have a line there in in, in, and people think that that's what every musky bait maker, that's what happens to their booth. But really that's only a handful of the booths. The rest of the booths are guys like me that are standing there, you know, with their, with their wiener in their hands, like, Hey, you want to talk to me? You know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a really interesting experience. And, and that's why I I like talking to guys like you that have kind of, you're a veteran in the industry. Um, You've, you've established yourself. I mean, how many baits do you make now? I mean, I know you got the rat, you got the Shadzilla, you got the Ratzilla, you got the Shadzilla. sizes. Yeah. Right. And then how much is it breakdown of like that? You're still making bass lures versus the musky stuff. Um, probably 80 musky, 20 bass now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like we just, you know, I used to make, a, if you guys fish bass at all, you probably heard of Senko, I would yeah. imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So everybody is dog makes them and we made them for a long time. Not a simple bait to, to get right, because as you know, with a Senko style bait, you need a lot of salt content. It needs to be suspended properly within the plastic. Um, and the plastic has to be soft enough because if you jam all that salt into a, uh, a soft plastic lure and the durometer or the hardness and softness is too hard, it's going to look like a big pen, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, comes out. Right. So it takes a lot of uh, a lot of work to get it just right. And um, basically, I just kind of gave up on that one for uh, and competition, right? The musky market and soft plastics, yeah, more competition, but it's not near what it is like in the bass market. And the bass market is all about the next big thing. And like you could have a, a lure that, you know, is, is very popular for three, four years, and then someone else comes out and next thing you know, you're not selling them anymore. Yeah, not nearly as sustainable as, as musky stuff, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mike sounds like the perfect guy to pitch our bait idea to. Or I guess my bait idea to. The 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 musky Senko. We were yeah. talking about this yeah. a while ago and I was like I was thinking I'm like what could you tr- what could you pull over from the bass world into musky that hasn't yet been done and I'm thinking oh my god a Senko. But then I'm like mm-hmm. well, n- no nobody's going to fish it right because a musky fisherman our attitudes like run and gun and the Senko you fish a Senko by letting it sink. Water, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's way slower. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm like, if we could just bridge that gap and get a musky Senko, man, I bet it would be deadly. Oh, for sure. Fishing weed lines, you know, and mm-hmm. get like a 10 odd weedless hook and just like, yeah. how many guys 
you know, in the areas in the court is when we fish bass tournaments, like you go to set a hook and you get air. Those slice through braid, you know. <laughs> oh, another muskie. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know how much, uh, you know, what percentage of guys would fish that though. That's the thing. So you're, you're yeah. part there just to maybe yeah, hold on that one. I don't know. The muskie mm, crab is definitely a little uh, macho for for fishing uh for fishing worms. a single weedless i don't know I, I would i would say that 10 years ago the idea of people fishing tubes would have been similar like who would fish a tube for muskies maybe 15 years ago something like that you know it's it, that's not your prototypical type of musky bait but sure enough i mean guys are catching a shitload of must big muskies on tubes i'll tell you what kevin kevin goldberg catches a fish on a on one of those rigs you're gonna see about 900 (laughs) musky fishermen going out there buying it guaranteed (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'll make a difference that's another thing from the bass board when you were talking about all the different personalities of plastics i was i've been thinking for a long time Mike, you probably know what I'm talking about. Back in the day, they had these bass plastics that they marketed them. You could stretch them to like two yep, feet long yep. and they wouldn't break. Why has the musky world not adopted this technology yet? And the, there were some. When I first started making the Shadzilla, the name will come to me, but there were a couple swim baits that were made from that material. It's a polymer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it's the same thing that you'll see in like... Uh, I think Terminator made some. Yeah, it's like... bass. Yeah, it's a very difficult material to use for a garage style manufacturing. It, it doesn't come in a liquid form. It's chunked mm. and it has to be melted a certain way. It doesn't take to pigments as well. So there only there's a limited number of colors that you can put in there. And the worst thing about that stuff is if you leave it on your carpet, on your boat in the heat, it melts right into it. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. Like, And the other thing is you can't combine it so it cannot touch other plastic baits. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's not as user friendly. Um, I don't know. There's a I'm trying to think of the, the company that uh, that makes them now for makes a lot of stuff with that um not striking but anyways they make like that ned style it's like a short single it's like half a single it's basically okay. z-man exactly yeah yep. i think those guys are the front runners right now with that material mm-hmm. um i just don't think that many guys use it in the garage style manufacturing environment so you probably don't hear much about it but yeah there was a swim bait made by a company it was kind of like a perch shape when I first started making Shadzels and they use that same material, but hmm. it never seemed to be popular. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. I've thought about that many nights late at night. Like why yeah. have we not adopted this yet? Yeah. Like uh, there were lots of conversations about it on the forums and guys just found it too hard to work with. Huh? Much more durable though. You're right. I oh mean, yeah. Tear and it just stretches like, you know, 10 times it's regular. It, it always, it seemed to ask backwards. I mean, I know bass destroy plot. You catch five bet largemouth on a Senko, it's ruined. But like you would think out of all the fish to use that plastic for that they would have been like, hey, musky, pike. Like they're the ones mm-hmm. that really, one pike will shred a fluke to pieces. So, yeah. well, it may happen. You never know. Yeah. You know? Maybe in the future. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're the one, Mike. Maybe you're the. Oh, God, no. You sound like the guy. (laughs) Well, making the the different baits that you do, do you use the same viscosity or the same combination when it turns to the plastisol or whatever the rubber product? Or is it a different, you know, do you use a different formula for each type of bait? So we, uh, when we bring in our plastisol, it comes in as a soft formula but I buy hardener and softener separately in, in, uh, in different pails and we custom formulate the plastic to the bait. So um, tubes will be the hardest uh, plastic out of all of them. Um, and then swim baits generally tend to be a middle of the road softness. Um, and the bass baits tend to be the softest. Now, have you experimented at all with the Shadzilla that doesn't stick to tinsel. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn things. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, tinsel and soft plastics like fire and water, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like big O's and Shadzilla's. Just you got to keep them as far away as far apart as possible. Those. Yeah, yeah. Bucktails are... Well, we made that tinsel tube um, a few years back, and guys would say they get huge fish on it. It was... But, if you casted it into the wind and it was dry, oh, it just stick to itself. It'd be all like stick to oh, each other, yeah. Oh, yeah, and the tinsel would get all. I tried so hard to figure out a way to make that work, and then we just gave up on it. It was. You know, I still have well, to this day that that asked for it, you know. And, that kind of reminds me of that red October bait that I gave away to uh, that mm-hmm. I sold to the sold at bait. the at the lure swap. It was essentially a tube with like a paddle tail. Swim, like a swim bait paddle tail but it also had flash coming out of the tube so it was kind of like a an amalgamation of like everything and i don't know how they whatever the tinsel they used red october used it didn't seem to be sticking to to whatever they you know i don't know yeah. but I, it seems like no matter what i do bucktail tinsel will stick to those things like nobody's business yeah it's well, then you know there's different. T- Do you get your uh, tinsel from Hedron? No, I get. I I had been getting it from just from like lure parts online. Yeah. But I yeah. I now have another person that I'm probably going to be going through this year. So we'll see if it if it changes things at all. But you can get different thicknesses of tinsel, so that's where you get that you lose the limpness and the stickiness, I guess. And some of it even has, I think, kind of a a ridge through it. So it has surface area to contact. Okay. Yes. You can definitely tell that certain tinsel sticks to the rubber more than others. Uh, You know, the, the, the the tinsel that has more of the flash to it seems to be more, more pliable and it sticks more. Whereas like the flatter colors of tinsel don't, don't stick nearly as, as bad as the, you know, the, the real flashy colors. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Let's talk about some of these baits, Mike, because I know we, we kind of got off on that and then got sidetracked. So you it's not only the Shadzilla and the Grubzilla. I mean, you have the Ratzilla and what? where did all these come yes. from? Well, the Ratzilla kind of came, uh, was that about six years ago when we, we were just making the Shadzilla and a few companies came out, Muskie Innovations came out with their swimming dog and... Uh, Chaos came out with a Poseidon and I was really worried because I thought, oh, well, you know, we kind of came up with a bait that that started, you know, a following on swim baits. 
And I thought, oh, you know, here we are making stuff. And it's like, I'm so worried. And, you know, I talked to guys like Jay at the Muskie shop. And said, oh, don't worry. You know, if you're first to the market, you should be fine. And then um, later on in life, I actually started talking with, uh, I'm trying to think of the fellow's name from Chaos. It owns Chaos. Rick? Yes, Rick. Uh, awesome guy. Awesome guy. Actually yeah. just sold the company, I think. Er, Did he really? I think there's new owners. Yeah, I think he's still going to have a hand in it. But I think there's two new owners, yeah. Wow. Super nice guy, you know, and mm-hmm. when I talked to Rick at the time, I was like, you know, I was so worried when all you guys came out with this stuff. So it was like, okay, well, I'll just make a bulldog style, <laughs> you know, but I'll make it better because that's what I like to do. I really like to tweak out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I started making the, the Ratzilla and because the I noticed after we made them, the market's already flooded, right? Everybody's seen a bulldog, mm-hmm. right. but they didn't know what the difference was between a bulldog and a Ratzilla. And that's where we had a hard time selling it, or they had a lot of bulldogs and just didn't want to get back into, you know, like another version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, our, our Ratzilla has um, a jointed body. All of them are like a pro version of, a, you know, like a pro dog where they've got a jointed body. So you never have to worry about tuning it. Um, we made the surface area of the belly a little bit bigger. So it had a nice glide and didn't drop as fast. And we added a, a paddle fin, onto the top to make it a little bit different as well. And then right. That's something that, that I've, I've never fished, fished one, but when I look at the videos, like that top, I guess it's essentially the dorsal fin of the Ratzilla has kind of a paddle tail to Mm -hmm. that fin. And then there's also a paddle tail on the end of the, you know, the small paddle tail on the very end of the rat tail. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit different design. I mean, I don't know if it makes a big difference. Uh, I've never fished a bulldog other than trying it once. So um, I just find that the difference is we we try to make our baits, all of our baits, a little bit softer. So when they're in the water, uh, if you pull the, you know the lure from side to side, it'll turn more naturally and have more of a, a natural look to it in the water. Um, when the bait's softer again, you can slow it down more and still get action out of the tail. That was another thing that was quite important. And because we use that that different type of plastic, we can soften it and still have the tear resistance. So the you know you get a lot of a lot of fish out of a ratzilla. No, I mean without even saying like how soft they are, that's like exactly what we me and Owen were talking about. Like just putting them in the water side by side with other baits, you can tell there's just they they. I mean, not, we haven't used the Ratzillas, but even the Shadzillas, they just, they swim entirely differently. Yep. Just yeah. More, more lifelike or something about them is weird. Yeah. I think that the body too, one thing I was going to mention is be, there, there's been different types of lures that they're not completely um, hollow. They have like an opening right down the top and the bottom. The Man's Lure Company is another bass company and they made a, a fluke. But it had a full body to it, but there were slits all the way down the top and the bottom. And it was hollow right through, right? It was kind of weird. But the action that had, right, because you had water inside the bait, it had the ability to to be more flexible. And I think the Shadzilla, because it has, you know, water that does fill on the inside, allows it to move a little bit more fluidly than than a solid body bait. No doubt. That's for sure. That's it's very apparent when you see them in the water. 
Have you dabbled with any of the uh, like the leader rigs that some of the people I know, uh, like Lebowski makes that hog collar? It's kind of formulated to pair with your Shadzilla. Yeah, yeah. Johnny makes a great bait. Um, so we make, and it was kind of out of necessity because he sells a lot of you know the the spinnerbait style baits that you can attach on there, and we had people asking us to send them to him, and we had this you know mutual relationship where. People would want to order it and then order ours at the same time. And it got to the point where it's like, oh, I let Johnny know out of respect. I said, I'm going to make something, you know, just to put on, on our base. So we have one called a Bladezilla, okay. uh, which essentially has orange, chartreuse, silver, and white. We do those colors. Nothing, you know, fancy. The lead that's on it isn't painted. Like a lot of these guys take a lot of time to make those uh, front end spinners look really nice. There's another guy over uh, on the Ottawa side, uh, Mad Chase Lures. He's just okay. started to, and like he powder coats everything and oh, geez. beautiful, right? But ours was more out of necessity just because customers were saying, well, I don't want to spend shipping, you know, the, the money on shipping twice. So I was like, We'll make up something just, but it's going to be bare bones. And then you can throw it in front of, you know, pretty much any lure we make. So yeah, there's, I think there's like a casting version with no lead on it, a one, a two and a three ounce. Okay. That's what last fall we had a couple giant follows on Shadzilla's with those in front of them up on Lake Nipissing. And that was, it was a uh, awakening quite, for me. It's quite a trolling bait. Yeah. Like that, like when we, one of my favorite areas to fish now is the St. Lawrence. Uh, take It's a big learning curve to fish there, but I have not seen a muskie fight as hard anywhere in Ontario as, as the St. Lawrence. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm sure some of it has to do with the strain of fish, um, but those fish, like the amount of strength that they have compared to like a Corthus fish. Just yeah. Or, or Lake St. Clair, you know. seems like any of the ones that live in current all the time have just a crazy oh, phenomenal. power. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Athletic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you hook those suckers. I and mean, We were out there uh, this summer. I got out with a friend of mine, Sean Ryan, and he had not been to, in that area before. And he hooked a 47 and a half, 48 or so. And it came out of the water like carpet twice. It was just like, <laughs> stay on, stay on. You know, it was like... And, and he landed that one and uh, it was a beautiful fish. I mean, it's for me when I go fishing, you know, and I only get out probably six to eight times a year for muskie, which is not enough, <laughs> but just to take someone out and have them, you know, have that experience. Like, Oh, I just love watching other people catch fish. I'll, I'll hook a fish and lose it. And it's like, yeah, it's not a big, deal. not like it used to be. It really used to upset me. Yeah. I was right. like, eh, you know, I saw it. That's good enough. Yeah, show someone else something new and they it's yeah. just yeah it's a, it's a life experience for people you know what it's a, as people start musky fishing you know it's a lot of people don't understand uh the, the rush of catching a fish that big you know and, and seeing it by the boat it's it's amazing oh yeah that's what I, donnie and tom here i think are making their first trip up to the saint lawrence this fall or this summer yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. When we're done the podcast, uh, just send me a note and uh, I'll chat about that. 
<laughs> don't want to get yeah, lynched by even talking about any spots. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I want the secret yeah. St. Lawrence I, color, though. That's what I always I like to help out friends. That's good, awesome. good, good. So where I, I wanted to ask this a while ago, but I forgot about it. The, the Zilla, the Shadzilla, the Grubzilla, the Ratzilla, the Brate, the Bladezilla. Were you a Godzilla fan, or is this just is this, is this like a? Where know. did the name come from? I, I just, I just think because I was in retail and I understand branding. Okay. It was one of those things, you know. Um, yeah, Bates, also, Musky. I don't know where Shadzilla came from? I knew, you know, big. It's that type of yeah. thing. So, it, it rolls off the tongue well. I didn't know if there was a further, deeper meaning behind it or just because it sounded good and fit the brand. Just, or... that, that's it. I mean, it, it all oh. kind of comes together, right? Um, I, don't I didn't know. know maybe if you were like a diehard Godzilla fan with like Godzilla statues and movie, <laughs> movie artifacts. and. No, no. I, I, I've seen most of the movies with Mothra and uh, all the <laughs> large creatures. <laughs> But no, Absolutely. yeah, I think it's more of a branding thing. It's just, uh, again, working in retail, it was just how do, how do you stand out? There's a number of ways. So, and people, you want people to remember and, and come up with, you know, some some interesting color names. It's uh, We're working on one right now um, for the Shadzilla. So we've got a couple different ones, uh, the Ghost series that we're working on. So you've seen Ghost Walleye. And Ghost Walleye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe after, uh, if, if anybody's taking a break, I'll go grab one and show you. I don't know what it's going to look like on camera to show you guys, but we've got a ghost shad and I got um, holographic purple. It's just, it's just wild. So for clear water on, on uh, St. Lawrence, it's just going to be killer. So That's a bonnie pattern. Yeah, I just did a few of them up just to test them out and uh, they look good. So I just had to order the glitter. Well, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, your colors are some of like the most expansive, I think, out of any soft plastic maker I know of. Uh, how does that work? I mean, I imagine that that's a pretty crazy process, honing yeah, in just, a couple dozen colors. and Yeah, it gets out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife tells me. I bet. Yeah, she the, we... She's the helper. She's the color R&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does, uh, like I say, she does, Mary does all the rigging. Like when we go to the shows and she sits sits at the table and uh, like puts the harnesses in and the split rings. Everybody watches and they go, "Oh That's my cool. god, how can you do that so fast?" <laughs> Practice <laughs> makes perfect. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like she'll rig probably seven hundred baits in the next week and a half. Wow. So, yeah. She so come up with this color. Oh, <laughs> and that this is one's my old, favorite. Yeah. Just for the record. Black perch. So far. Yeah. That's a common That's theme, though. We we've talked to BNN Customs. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're a father and yeah. son duo, oh, yeah. and yeah, the the father's the builder and the son kind of handles the color yeah. side. It's the, he's the painter and the color developer. That's that's cool to hear that it's a family kind of ordeal here. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not without its uh, frictions at times. Oh, I'm sure, but, I'm sure. You know, um, but we worked really well together. It was something we weren't quite sure how it was going to work out in the beginning when I decided to quit my retail job, you know. But uh, Mary works hard at it every day, and she does all the accounting and uh, as well as the shipping and, and packaging and gets that stuff out. So she yeah. does the actual painting, or, or no, like, no, she'll, she'll, oh, she'll okay. do. So I'll, I'll basically get all the baits ready and she'll help me take them all off. And, 
like come off the dippers and then um, they'll go into the office and she will put all the rigs in the baits and, and put all the hooks on in the packaging in the boxes and then do all the shipping. Wow. Okay. And it's just you two guys, you and your wife. And my, my, my good friend, my neighbor, Bruce uh, Garnett okay. who lives on the road, who is an absolute musky nut and also loves to build lures. So um, yeah, he's probably here more than he is at his house. <laughs> That's amazing. Cause I mean, I, looking from the outside in, I see clamshells and packaging and stuff and I'm picturing like some big like factory and yeah, hear that it's a, a, that. a two or three person operation that's that's amazing to me that's absolutely amazing yeah yeah it it, it from the outside you, you want it to look professional right we're talking yeah. branding and and people do until i like i talk to a lot of customers on the phone uh or in text messages and stuff like that and once they start you know we have a conversation they understand what we're all about sometimes people are wondering why there's such a backlog and then you want to say well you know, here's 750 baits and it takes uh, three weeks to get them from finish. <laughs> Six hands. Finish, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. That's, it's incredible. The reach you guys have. Do you, mm-hmm. uh, do you, have you shipped quite a few like to the European market for pike we, guys? We used to do, when we started out, we sold a lot to Germany, um, a lot to Belgium. Uh, France, Sweden, there were retailers there that we sold to. And then the shift moved back to North America for some reason. Like there wasn't, wasn't that much demand in the beginning. It was more about the, uh, <clears throat> you've probably seen some of these pictures of the, of the pike that are caught in, uh, in Europe. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're as big or bigger than the muskie we catch here. I know and, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, and the soft plastic market there um, is is fairly large, but don't build the lures the same way. So yeah, they have um, a weird rigging system, way different. Yeah. Well, the like smart zonker, rigging. the smart zonker yeah. is yeah. that's the one that I think of when I think of the European rubber swim bait and that has that funky your external external rigging system yeah and i I think that that in and of itself scares american consumers off uh, it's weird you know because you see retailers that have picked up those style of baits but they never take off you know Mm -hmm. it's more the stuff that comes from europe that's like wild and crazy like uh um the uh, the duck the, and stuff yeah, like the yep. bat that type of thing eh? you know it's a it's a novelty bait it's a shame because there are some fantastic bait makers over there and the paint jobs are just phenomenal oh yeah but we're lazy wow. Americans we like to take our lure out of the package and hook it on we don't like yeah. to do any rigging we don't like to put <laughs> hooks in rubber you're right that's we're gonna screw it up it's true you're absolutely right it's sad but it's true that's because yeah. you. That's because we maximize our fishing over here. We don't want to mess yeah, around and stuff up. No, we we open a packet and we see corkscrews and lead heads. We're like, oh god, oh, fuck this! Yeah, <laughs> immediately it. start sending emails that it's that it's yeah. not tuned out of the box. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, understood. It's, that's but the American I, consumer always, for that's you. That's another. That's another thing. Like the, we talked about the stretchy plastic. That's another thing I don't understand why we haven't adopted that more. Because I mean, mm. your better hookups. I mean, the the fish can't get leverage to throw a bait when the hooks pop out, and you're fighting yeah. it on an external harness. It's 
It, it may happen, you know. Yeah. You know, Z, Z-Man may branch out into the musky world. It's, I mean, there's a, there's room. Right. I think like, some, like there's room for someone to find that. Yeah. You'll for learn someone to that find Tom, that for but, some reason, thinks that he always knows more than everybody else, <laughs> even if it's something that he knows nothing about. What? <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. I'm that's saying the Euro <laughs> guys are light years ahead of us on rigging and soft. Like... The Euro guys, I mean, I'm fascinated by their entire take on things, you know, just because it's it's not the sport fishery that that we have here. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. talk to the guys in Europe, it they are there, it's like this very strange subset of fishermen that are sport fishermen. Whereas here in America, the majority of us are sport fishermen. The, the, you know, the, the minority are, you know, any type of, I don't know, commercial fishermen. It just seems like in Europe, there's, there's not nearly as much sport fishing as there is over here. You know, and the cost and the ability to fish uh, in Europe, very expensive. Yeah. Licensing is crazy there. Yeah. And access. And access. Really? Yeah. Most of the land is private, you know, so you you essentially have to belong to a fishing club in some cases. Tom Uh, would never pass the test to get a license. (laughs) No. Well, we've we've joked about doing, uh, you know, part of the plan is to have Hunks International over in in Italy or something in Geneva, Switzerland or something (laughs) fishing for fishing for gigantic European 45 inch pike. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a pipe dream. I, I think we just stick to trying to get all the hunks into Canada at one time. Right, right. We just got to get us to Canada one time. <laughs> we can't even oh. get them all to Canada for a whole week. I know. That's, <laughs> right. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> we yeah, can't get all two, two hours away. You want us to go to Italy? <laughs> <laughs> can't even get them on a podcast half the time. Come on. Go to Italy. A guy yeah. can dream. Come on. A guy can dream. Yeah, you well, can- I don't. I can't I can't get too you know too far along into this. We're an hour and a half into this already and I have yet to tell the story of of the the fish that that has you know more or less changed my life. The Shadzilla and herd around a, the world. The Shadzilla herd around the world, absolutely. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I want to at least give that a little bit of coverage because I don't I know Mike's probably never heard the story, but it's 2017 i took my dad to lake nipissing for his 70th birthday and i'd I'd said earlier in the podcast that uh he and i used to do fly-in fishing trips to quetico to boundary waters but he was a huge canoe guy and so we the fish that i connected with when i was in the boundary waters in quetico were all pike i didn't have any experience musky fishing so my dad's turning 70 in 2017, and I wanted to do something special for him. But at 70, I knew driving 20 plus hours to get to Ely, Minnesota, to get into the Boundary Waters, to get act to, to possibly fly into the Quetico, that's a big fucking ordeal. And mm-hmm. with my job and with my dad's age, we were just like, you know what? As much as I'd like to do that for nostalgia purpose, purposes, it's really not a feasible canoeing all those miles and portaging all those, you know, all these rapids and whatnot is not something I want my 70 year old dad to do. So I start looking online and I'm, 
and I'm looking through the there. I find a Jim Sarek article because I want to find a place where I can drive to from Pittsburgh that isn't a completely unreasonable drive that I can stay someplace and possibly catch some big fish. And what pops up but Lake Nipissing. And so from Pittsburgh, every other lake on this list was Lake St. Clair, which I wasn't particularly interested in. Um, but Lake of the Woods, Lac Sewell, um, let's see, Eagle Lake, and I forget what the other one was. But Lake Nipissing was the only lake on the eastern portion of the United States. And uh, and so I decided to go up there. So my dad and I go up there and I get a guide for for the last day we're on the water. And I'd been on there for for an entire week and we're. I decide, okay, we're just going to do this. And I was in a tough place in my life. I was, you know, just a lot of things going on. And the guide, Reagan Thompson, who we've had on the podcast, puts on a Shadzilla. And he, you know, he, he just tells me what to do. He takes me out to this spot. He tells me what to do. And man, I had a, I had a fish hit the bait. Within probably the first five casts, I didn't get it because I wasn't paying enough attention. It was boat side. I didn't know what a figure eight was at that time, all that stuff. But man, I, I cast it out maybe you know an hour later and I hook into this fish and you want to talk about a life changing experience, but that was this fish. It was just the most unbelievable experience of my life. And I've sent the guys the video and I'll send it to you, Mike. But there's the video of this fish breaching and you can see the Shadzilla like flopping around in its mouth. And I am so lucky that that it didn't throw that Shadzilla. But man, it just it changed my entire. I guess, you know, changed my entire life. Yes, it did. (laughs) It it, it truly did. did. And, and it did. And it, and it is it, this podcast where I am right now, I can directly relate back to that fish. One hundred one thousand percent. I can relate back to that fish and therefore I can relate it back to Shadzilla's. And so I think that is an incredibly impactful thing. And part of what we want to do in this podcast is it's kind of em- emphasize the the important stuff you know the stuff that really grasps you as opposed to oh i went out and it was 63 degrees temperature and and i you know i was watching the water column and you know i caught a like you know this is a more visceral type of thing and that fish literally changed my life and so you didn't have any idea that that the bait that you were making when you made that bait would change someone's life so as me as a bait maker as the 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 very minor the very small bit that i I am making baits. I guess that is kind of what I can hope for is that maybe someday somebody would catch a bait on a catch a fish on my bait that might change their life in that way. And I, I personally have to say thank you for again, you didn't know know anything about it, but man, that bait you made changed my life, man. You're very welcome. That's a great story. You didn't say how big it was. 54 inches. That's a wonderful fish. Yeah. 54 (laughs) inches. And, uh, and it was every bit of, of the, like, it was a heavy 54 inches. We didn't Mm -hmm. girth it. So I can't say for sure exactly what it, what exactly it was, but man, this thing was like, it was kind of like 
it was waiting out there for me. It was kind of meant to be in a way. And it saw, and, it saw Sarek's boat go by and went, nah. Like, yeah, that's not my guy. <laughs> I want the guy who doesn't know how to do figure eights. <laughs> Better <laughs> chance of getting away. I want to bite. My man. Yeah. No, it really, it really, you know, it, you don't think about when you're in your basement or you're in your shop or you're, you're heating up plastic in a, in a microwave or, you know, do you ever think to yourself, man, this could be something that absolutely changes someone's life. Not as much, not as much as I used to, but I'll tell you one of the reasons that I really kept going at it was for stories like that. It it just gives, gives me purpose. If you will. I mean, you gotta make a when you're working right but to have the appreciation from customers means a lot it, it really does to us and that's why we always strive to you know come up with unique products that you know guys uh, have success with and you know we are all here in pennsylvania so not only are we united states you know we're in the states but we are in a and also a small area down here but we have a very hot musky community down here and you know i i would say that a lot of guys down here do not really have access to shadzillas to hold them in their hand and to mm-hmm. to really compare them to a swimming dog or a Poseidon. And, and therefore if they're going to spend x amount of dollars they're probably going to spend it on the thing that they can put in their hand do you know what i mean sure. and so yeah. if there's a way that we can get guys to to hey give it a shot to to buy some shadzillas give them you know you know, give it a shot because I, I truly believe that people would see a difference between the, uh, you know, those other two swim baits. Yep. And they all have their place too, you know, yes. it's, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. You, you probably like, I, I had the opportunity to come down to Mus Is it musky max that they have? Musky max. Yeah. Yeah. That's our home turf. Oh, okay. So that's what, 40 minutes away from our houses. Most okay. of us. Yep. <laughs> Who's the fellow that runs that? Uh, Sean. Sean Leoparty. Sean Leoparty. Yes. Yeah. He's a bait maker as well, right? Uh, his brother. His Leo. brother. brother. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I met his brother. Right. His brother uh, is Todd Leoparty. Leo. Yeah. Yes. He make he makes all kinds of different you know uh, and the, which baits that guys up in Canada have been using. Yeah, I, I met them at one of the Odysseys, and that and he was actually just starting Musky Max at the time and handing out invitations for uh, for builders to come to it at the time. Okay. And uh, I just don't, what I have to figure out is the, uh, the customs and implications of going down there yeah. because I know for, for guys that come from the U S um, selling product at say the Odyssey, there's they're a lot more lenient to Americans coming in to sell product than vice versa, which is, so I have to figure right. out the details on that because I'd like to go to, to Muskie Max. I'd like to come down to the New York show. I heard was pretty good too. Yeah. But yeah, shows are a lot of fun. And then, you know, get those things out there and people can actually physically handle the lure, which is you're saying, you're saying customs now. I was picturing a bunch of customs agents slicing open Shadzilla's looking for drugs <laughs> at the border because they're hollow looking bodies. For cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, sir yeah. this bait's hollow inside. What do you have in here? You've been stuffing in these things. Yeah. Yeah. But musky. yeah, I really think that that's important to a musky fisherman is being able to put your hands on something because nobody really trusts it until they know what, you know, what it is. 
and it's even harder when you go on a Canadian website and you gotta, you know, you know, figure out how much it's going to cost me to ship and you know, how many weeks is going to, you know, I think it kind of just yeah. turns a lot of guys off where if they just gave it a chance, you know, I think they would be pleasantly surprised. I guess and you're obviously busy enough, Mike, like you're, you're, you're behind an order, so to speak. Like, you know, you've got a, you're not looking for, to increase your business right now. I, at least I wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, or are you? I don't think it's physically possible. <clears throat> yeah. That's, so you're, that's, at, you're at the, you're at the maximum possible. We've expansion. Yeah. We've, we've plateaued, you know, I would have to hire people and I never wanted that to be in the cards, to be honest with you. Like I look at, I talked to friends of mine, like John Bondi, who is also working all the time. And then he guides. I don't know how the man does it because right. he's constantly working and, uh, at his shop and he's got, I don't know, three, four guys there. I've been there and he's got a nice setup in, uh, down uh, in the St. Clair area. And then he guides for, for walleye and muskie. It's probably his best way to get out and get away though, too. Come to leave, <laughs> yeah. to fishing, right? I feel like hiring pe- extra people would have a whole nother challenge of like quality it, control. And yeah. Yeah. The, the, and and the, the worst uh, issue for me is because Making Shadzilla's um, has a lot of steps to it, and, and they're ones that you just can't replicate easily. Uh, for, as opposed to, like, say, a Grubzilla, where you just heat up the plastic, you inject it into a mold, and you're good to go. Right. right. You, and then again, that's where we really don't paint them. You just put the color into the plastic and shoot it in, and it's a simpler bait to make. Um, and like that, and that's one of the reasons why I want to, you know, try and come up with a solid body swim bait sometime down the road. Um, because like, uh, like Rick at chaos, who sold his business, I'm not going to do this forever. So what I'm trying to do is just build a business that can be easy for someone else to take over rather than having to figure out like temperatures on dipping baits and what colors to paint them and that type of thing. Right. So, that's that's my plan down the road but it's uh it's hard to do because there's just so many other things going on but we'll get there yeah are there any new baits in the work for later down the road um that you're allowed to talk about well i i could i could you know talk about them but i think really right now we've i don't know what else we could make (laughs) yep (laughs) so where are you like in terms of your sales you know i I, I would bet that Shadzilla takes up a, a good portion of it, but in terms of yes. Shadzilla, Ratzilla, what's your, you know, or how do you sell more of the Shadzilla juniors? Like those little guys? Um, I would say it's seasonal. So um, winter time, we sell more Shadzilla juniors, particularly to guys that go fish tarpon. Um, oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, it's, 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 it's bizarre. Like it's no shit. That's pretty cool. Years. Yeah, five years ago, I, I can't remember which guide it was, but there's a lot of musky guides in the northern U.S. that go to places like Marco Island. Um, that's a hot spot for tarpon. And it just started with a few guys. I'm trying to think. There's a uh, fellow. Hammerdick, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah definitely. Hey, yeah, right. He was one of the guys that started that trend. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, the, so it's the junior? And not the like junior, the regular yeah. Shadzilla. No, no, the junior, because I'm trying to think of the, I think it's mullet. Yeah, or pilchards. And, yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of 
Yeah, there's a like those small little silverfish. Yeah, <laughs> I think mullets, um, and that's what the tarpon feed on when they're when they're migrating, I guess, through the areas. Uh, and there's just like I've seen pictures, and these things are massive. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I was just surprised, like you know, the the makeup of the Shadzilla Junior, like the the hook, the top hook. And the harness that comes out of the bottom are separate, but we use a um, a hard, hard lead. Uh, so those and they just they held up for tarpon. So when I heard that, I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, really a real torture that. test. Have a, yeah, that's a hell know, of a 150 test. pounder on there. Yeah, yeah. So, so you pour sell- all your own lead in. Why? Like, so you do all your internal harnessing yourself. So you're pouring the yep. lead heads and. Yeah. And you're bending all the wires yourselves. And I used to used to bend it all by hand uh, with, with a, a wire bender um, that we modified. Um, but then it got to the point where I had to farm out to CNC wire benders. And okay. now we get them done like that. It's just everything is uniform. It all fits. The wire forms fit into the molds properly. So basically we designed the lead form or sorry, the, uh, the wire form and uh, with hand in hand with our CNC guy that cuts our, uh, our lead molds for us so that everything fits in there perfectly. Um, because speaking of, speaking of Todd Lee, party, uh, we talked about him earlier. One of the things that I've, I've noticed on his Instagram page, his Instagram post. So sometimes he'll do a thing where he'll say, you know, one bait gets touched 52 times from start to finish you know, like that's how many times it it's get ha- gets handled from the time it's a block of wood until it's yeah. a finished bait, you know, and that's always a, that's something that's always mind boggling to me. How many times you have to pick something up and, you know, handle it or dip it or do whatever. I mean, how many different processes are there in, in, a, in creating a Shadzilla from start to finish? Well, like we were saying the dipping, um, which takes like, in a run, like I was saying, there's 750 baits or so if we do a full run, which includes Shadzilla Juniors, Shadzillas, Magnum Shadzillas. There's also the Shadzilla X, like a jerk bait, like a, it's almost like a Mr. Wiggly, but it's hollow. Mr. Wiggly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then there's our, our vertical jigging uh, Shadzilla V, um, which is kind of like a Bondi bait. Again, it's hollow. <clears throat> so if we do a full run, there's probably like, if I did all those baits in the full run, there'd be almost 900 baits. Um, and that takes time to, to dip, you know, so we're probably, if I did a full run like that, it'd be a week. Uh, and then there's the painting process, which would be another week, week and a half on that size of a run, then putting all the eyes and the blades on and then clear coating them. So like if it were a full size run of 900 baits, it'd probably be close to a month. So, yeah, so yeah, it's touched a lot. It's not very productive. <laughs> so, so the painting process fascinates me because I, I have limited painting experience with painting some baits and painting some blades. But my understanding is the painting rubber is a completely different game altogether. It's a different paint. Right? It's, yeah. it's, it's a paint that adheres to vinyl plastic and is flexible. Um, it can- almost seems to be soaked in. Like it, like those baits seem to be, if you would have told me that they weren't poured in that base color, I would tell you, you were crazy. Yeah. It's, it's good paint. It's expensive. I'll tell you that Yeah, because it has to be shipped from the States. It all comes up in its hazmat. So uh, classified as a flammable hazard material. Any, most paints are, 
Um, right. You pay premium for shipping on that stuff too. But it's, it's, and it's probably as um, toxic as automotive paint. You have to be very careful with it. The fumes, um, the thinners that are in it, the fumes are very, very toxic. So I've always worn a, a double cartridge respirator for organic vapor. Um, very, very important to use that with that type of a paint. And do you have a, do you have a good like circulation system in your shop? Oh, yeah. Like the, yeah. yeah, air yeah. circulation. Like, yeah. I have a huge uh, uh, exhaust fan with the, uh, I'll send you guys pictures. Yeah. Um, basically. Yeah, please. Uh, I'd love to be, I'd love to see it. There's ductwork right across the whole back with pickups. So we can attach like a paint booth to it with a flexible pipe and that type of thing. And the pickups also come right down to the hot pots where we did the sheds. Those so all the fumes go right out, you know? Okay. So do you do you guys like i mean you say you do a run of you know the 750 to 900 baits i mm. mean is that how you kind of batch things with your website or do you do things like hey we're gonna run you know these are the hot sellers we're gonna run some of these or do you just kind of run a, a full batch of everything and put it up on the website and oh, then go for oh. another full batch of everything and go from there that's in the future hopefully <laughs> everything is based on orders and that's okay. the reason why we, we build to order pretty much at this point. That's It's been like that for some time, and we just haven't been able to get ahead of it. Um, I think the biggest problem sometimes is we, we run a sale when it gets slow. <laughs> we do like a Black Friday sale for four days, and that accounts for probably, I think, 20% of our year's yearly sales in four days. Right. That's, that's why we get so far behind. So, yeah. and we Make note of that on the website that you know you're probably going to order in November and get it as late as late May sometimes, right? Yeah, by the time we finish up those orders. Well, that's that's absolutely why I've I've always placed orders ahead of time and knowing that it's <laughs> going to take some time because I knew that you guys are not some big shop. And I think you know I I talked about this on a previous podcast that I don't know that anybody in the musky world is really a like keeping stuff in stock. Uh, yeah, like a major order. producer. You don't have a Rapala. You don't have, a, you know, these gigantic companies that have constantly have stock on hand. Everyone is kind of working hand to mouth, so to speak, like what, what people want and what we can make, what we want, what we can make. Strange, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, it's apart from, you know, musky innovations and chaos. Um, and then there's your blade, your big blade guys, you know, musky mayhem and, uh, there's a few of those ones around. Uh, yeah, a lot of guys are just, you know, mom and pop operations out of the garage or the basement. Musk, the musky industry in, were the first for the uh, just-in-time manufacturing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've you know, talked get... about that a lot here. Is that, is that you know, something we want to kind of a, appreciate more and, and focus on is the is the mom and pop aspect of things that these are guys these are folks out there just making a living by doing this and that's you know just like anybody would own a pizza shop or anyone would own any a gas exactly. station or you know exactly. it's, it's, yeah. it's it's the same thing and in in the moment people decide to patronize the uh the major you know, it, let's say Walmart came in and started making a musky bait or Costco came in and started making a musky bait and people started flocking to that. And that kicked out the, you know, the, the mom and pop bait makers. That's, you know, we're, I don't think we're anywhere near that in the musky business. And that's, that's admirable. That's really cool to be kind of in that 
industry that's not totally um, taken over by ca- pure capitalism and and you know. In, I don't think the market's corporate, big enough. Corporate America. Yeah, I just it's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a, it's a niche market for sure. Like kind of falls in that sweet spot. You talk about you talk about the patronage. Uh, when I first started making baits, and I looked at all these guys that make hard baits, like uh, Sean and Hoser, um, like the that guy. Like we have you ever been to the to the Muskie Odyssey when he's been? There? I have not. I I mean to make it no, next year. Hopefully, I'll make it up there. Like, I've heard there's a line like you wouldn't believe. Oh yeah, yeah the lineup. Yeah, people start lining up the night of to get his baits. That's how hard they are to get. And like uh, the workmanship that goes into Sean's baits. I mean, that, that's someone to look up to. And that's where the whole patronage thing comes in because people appreciate the amount of time and effort he puts into those baits. Um, right. Yeah. Hard baits are something else. Like they, they take a lot of work and that's why they, you know, they get the money for those. Now, what type of clear coat do you put on those? Because, okay, so you use the... Uh, Here we go. The Here we go. Cue yeah, the we question. Go back to the clear coat. We uh, always got to go back to the clear coat. This fascinates yeah. me because so so you, you're using this, you know, heavy duty paint that's going to stick yes. to, you know, stick to this stuff. Yeah. How do you get such a smooth, beautiful, you know, clear coat on that? It's just plastic the way it, it rolls off, you know? Is it another dip in the, pla- in the same yeah, that's plastic? that's all it is. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Okay, because I remember seeing Larry Dahlberg do that one time, and I couldn't believe it. Like that's how he sealed it. It was just another dip. I thought that was the homemade, the like the home home version of how to do that. Yeah, and then it gives it depth. Like when you see when you see the paint when it's painted, as opposed to after when it's been clear coated, big difference. It just the whole paint becomes more vibrant the colors become more vibrant the glitter pops more it's like almost like a fiber optic effect if you know what i mean yeah 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 here's a weird question does it keep it from bleeding because i know like say you have a white poseidon in a box with an orange beside and you're going to end up with a white and orange poseidon does that clear coat keep it from bleeding at all it's you know what it is that what's what makes a bait bleed are the uh, the colorants that go into it so if You've got two choices, basically. You've got dyes or pigments. Dyes bleed. So in some cases, uh, let's say like the hot fluorescence and the uh, the chartreuse, a true chartreuse dye um, is clear. It isn't, it hasn't got like a fluorescence to it. So it's it's more translucent than it is opaque, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you and I've tried those, and um if you you say you get that bleed. You won't get that in a paint, but you will get it in a colorant that you mix into the plastic. Okay. So, okay. so, so that's your question. So if I'm, I have Plastisol out in my shop and yeah. I also have a whole bunch of those, um, every color of Alumisol, like whatever the, the, um, the like dust is, Alumidust. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's mica, basically a mica base and they color it. So if I yeah. put that Aluma dust in, in a plastisol, you know, in, in, yeah. a, let's say a dark purple or whatever, is yeah. that going to run? Are you talking about like no. where, if you're, if you're more painting it, it's, it, you have a better chance of it running. No, actually. So pearls and anything like that, alums, uh, what did you call it again? Sorry. Alumisol. Or, or Aluma dust. Yeah. 
Oh, Illumidust. Illumidust, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so Illumidust is basically a, um, a pearl pigment. And you can get that in many forms and uh, many colors. And it, they're always kind of a washed out color, right? Um, so any, any pearl pigments will not bleed because they are basically a mineral that's been ground down. It's just suspended in the plastic. Exactly, exactly. Just like glitter would be. Although glitter you can have problems with too because uh, glitter is essentially silver foil and they apply a pigment over top of that. So you'll get like chartreuse, whatever, gold. Gold is the worst actually. So if you ever notice like on, uh, or you've got say a bulldog style lure, I've seen it with those, the older ones, you'll get the bleed into the white belly it'll kind of turn kind of a the white belly turns brown from yeah. a walleye color. So, and that's, that's just from the glitter, the, the actual color. Huh. Cause we have that happen here too. Like I have some baits and depending on where you get your glitter from and how they make it, um, that pigment on the glitter will bleed through plastisol. I always thought I was doing something wrong there. I, I'm like, no, damn it. No. I got to start keeping these white belly baits separate because yeah. something's turning them brown. I didn't know. I had no idea that was yeah. glitter doing yeah. that. So if it's a dye base that they use on either the pure color to put into the plastisol or on glitter, um, it'll, it'll eventually bleed through. It's like if you get a sharp, oh. you put a dot and it kind of spreads after. If yeah, you, it goes out. Right. Because that's a dye. Right. And I don't know what the difference is in terms of the physical makeup of the two, but with pigments, they don't bleed. Wow. Learn something new every day. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Well, guys, we are approaching the two hour mark here. So, you know, we normally oh, you know, wow. see where we're, where we are at this point. And if anyone has any questions or anything we want to talk about before we be, this isn't like a call to wrap things up, but it's kind of like if, if anyone has anything that they want to ask Mike before we begin to wrap things up, now is probably the time to get it, get her done. Hey, I got two quick ones. So Mike, I'm just curious. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. I mean, your these your baits are a staple in the industry. Like, do you get a lot of fish pictures? Like, do you have a lot of people reaching out to you to drop you pictures? I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I always, I always like to see them because, again, it's kind of like Owen's story, right? You know, you you hear about an experience somebody has had, and I, I do share them occasionally, but I find that. The market, or not the market, but social media is just plastered with pictures. And even though I, I could be wrong here, I think that a good picture of a lure sometimes is probably more of a, a sales tool than a picture of a fish. I don't know. But uh, getting back to your, your question about the, the pictures, yeah, we get lots of them. And my interaction is gen generally with the customer, unless it's a huge fish and they send it, you know, and what I'll do is I'll send them some free lures to use that picture because I won't just say, you know, Oh, that's a great one. Can I share it? You know, and then mm -hmm. we derive the benefit out of it. So most guys, and it's nice because I get to, you know, get a relationship with that customer. Um, we'll, we'll send them some free baits of their choice and we'll put that up because if, if it's, you know, like a trophy class 54 or 55, 56 inch fish, 
I mean, those are far and few in between, and those are great to post. I like putting those up. The smaller stuff, you know, I mean, even though it's a fish is great to catch um, in terms of what people will want to see, I guess. At least that's my opinion. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Thank you. For and you're answering. at the point where your Mike's kind of proven already. He doesn't need pictures right. of like shadzillas and musky mouths to be like, oh, they yeah, catch musky. He, he like, doesn't need a little guy. Like, right. I, I guess I, that. I, I, yeah, I find that kind of like fish, a fish in a lure's mouth. Eh, I just don't do that anymore. I was just Not, curious if people sent them. It's dangerous. Because yeah, I hear we hear that a lot. Like some some guys will say like they don't get pictures and like that's. I was just curious. I mean. In your scenario, you said you're you're one of the the bigger names, you know, bigger players in the game here. So it's like I was just curious if you had a lot of guys sending you pictures. Uh, so second part of that question is, do you, when you're working like tires tirelessly in your shop, are you living vicariously through those pictures? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love fish porn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, and the stories that go along with it, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's a word I'm looking for. It's motivating. Yeah. It's just great to see someone else get it. It's the same thing. Like when I go fishing with someone and they catch a big fish or catch a fish or whatever. And it's just that, uh, that life experience that someone has had, you know, it's, uh, fishing is good for the soul. And uh, one last question for you: What is what is the biggest fish you've personally caught on one of your baits? Uh, just over fifty inches. <laughs> so comfortable, yeah. It was on a prototype on St. Clair, and uh, it was. It, I still remember the mouth opening up. It was uh, one of those things where we're justing out uh, a shadzilla with a curly tail. Actually, <laughs> I had a like a double curly tail attached to it, and. Hmm. I think we were, it was in August and uh, I was with my friend, Simon Barth out there. And um, he had just shown me previously how to figure eight a fish. Uh, and I was just like, like Owen had said, sometimes you got to start somewhere. And I had no idea. Uh, so I tried that anyways. And I was just kind of crawling this thing along the bottom and the water is so clear there. And we were in about 15, 16 feet of water and I could see my bait coming along, but you know how well the uh, the fish kind of camouflage on the bottom until you see like the white open up. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just slowly coming up. It was almost like it got to underneath the boat and I started lifting it up and then the mouth just, it was slow motion. I can still remember it. And the mouth opens and it just closes on the bait. And all I can remember Simon is like, set the hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That was a that was a good fish. It was, and I probably lost bigger ones. At least I'll lie that way, anyways. <laughs> I actually have one last one. So if 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 somebody wanted to place an order, let's say you know I'm I'm known for buying baits. It's like one of the things I just, no, I, I do. Uh, not you. So my my question is, what is the lead? Like, what's what's the expectation? Like, if I was to place an order online, like, what is the you know weight? period for for an order like just a generic i guess maybe a random general so wait time for for shadzillas right now we're about 10 weeks out roughly it gets as we get closer to the season and the orders kind of start to taper off we catch up a little bit more so mid-season we're probably closer to six weeks um as far as ratzillas and, and grubzillas and some of the other baits 
we we've gotten some inventory on them. So if you go on the website, you'll see um, we launched a new website in January where we actually have inventory and you can see what's there to purchase, which has made a big difference for customers as well. So yeah, it, it just depends on on what you're ordering. Uh, we try to make it as upfront as possible, you know, so guys aren't going, oh, I didn't know that it was, you know, back ordered eight weeks or whatever. Yeah, you, you're. Right. Uh, I've been waiting for my Wiley order for approximately four, 14 months now, so mm. that's that's pretty good. Uh, I think ten weeks is fair. Absolutely. Yeah, if you you know some people are able to plan ahead and that works in their favor. Other guys are like, Oh, I'm going fishing next week. We get calls. It's like, do you have any stock? And it's like, mm. sometimes negative. We, you know, at the end, sometimes at the end of the run, we've got a handful of baits and uh, they'll, they'll, they don't last long because we do have people that call and say, what have you got hanging around? So we just let them know. And they don't last long. <laughs> Well, I think you better stock up because we got to get you down to Musky Max this year since it almost happened before. That would be fun. Oh, dude, you would clean <laughs> up, man. Uh, you clean you house absolutely down here. clean house. I mean, you got five like, guys right here that would probably clean your rack out. <laughs> absolutely. I will say, I will say after throwing one of Owens, I don't actually own one of your baits, but uh, I, I got to throw Owens this past fall. And well, I was like, I didn't honestly. I didn't want to give it back to him. <laughs> it, it, it's it, there's a difference to it. I mean, it's I, huge difference. I, huge I, difference. I, part of me wishes that you know the Poseidon or the or the swimming dog was as as workable in my mind because they're easier to get. You know, it, we're yeah. saying Mike is so in, in such such high demand. It'd be a lot easier to be able to you know just order this. But now I I I, I literally plan ahead and I order a stock of a shitload of them that that way if they get torn up oh so another funny story is reagan who i fish with in canada if you we go in the fall and so by the fall all of his shadzillas in his box are torn to shreds and they're like holding he's he he wraps them together with with a shrink tube and he puts them together with um what what is it the the elect um zip ties zip ties, zip ties. i've yeah. seen so, so like, many zip tied like that yeah <laughs> uh, he's almost every every bait in his box is zip tied because it's caught fish and you know and it he continues to run them and mm -hmm. i think that is a, a testament to the bait itself yeah i know when we go when we used to go to st Clair, i'd always have um a mini torch with me because we would you know, at the end of the day, bring those baits back and then just heat them up, you know, and melt them all back together again. Right. Yeah, it's amazing with that clear coat. You can make them look pretty good if, if you take your time with the heat. Cool. Well, well I know guys, Mike, was, it, Mike was talking about uh, fish porn. And if you're out there, anybody listening that likes good lore porn, I think Mike's your guy, the Water Wolf page. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man. You, could, you could spend a good few hours. In fact, I got to ask for more. Pictures. Like, I got to ask for more. You got to give us more, <laughs> more of the like the step by steps. We want to see mm -hmm. the process. Pictures of the shop, pictures of all I'm, the colors. I'm fascinated I mean, by uh, that stuff, man. 
Like, it's not even about the fish to me. It's about like how this stuff happens and, the, you know, the way the way it's put together and, and, and that it comes out as, hey, it can, it's something that will catch a gigantic fish like this and change someone's life, man. It's it's just an awesome process. And it's something that I'm glad that we have the opportunity here to kind of highlight and talk about something like this, because a lot of our you know listeners, they probably, like I said, you don't have have their hands on a Shadzilla. This is your chance. It's like. I mean, shit, even if guys around here, if, if you know me, give me a call. I have, I, I literally have probably 20 Shadzillas in my shop right now because I just got a big order. USA the, retailer, uh, you know, Owen. Yeah. Are you saying you're slinging Shadzillas your own? No, I he's said flipping Shadzillas down here in, U- in the U.S. I don't sell anything. Uh, I don't uh, sell Jamie anything. would like to call a timeout and, and say that those are all spoken for. I don't sell anything. Soup later, going up to 10 and 10. I. If anyone wants to give him a shot, you just give me a call. I'll, I'll I'll hook you up with a Shadzilla, no cost. I'm not I'm not trying to bait flip here. <laughs> if anybody wants to see one in action, you can come out on my boat and watch me catch fish on one. But I'm not letting you use mine. <laughs> Demonstrations only. You can net them for me. I well, Mike, how can how can our listeners find you? Are you on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? You have a website. Give us all your all your connects. Well, pretty much all of the three that you uh, just mentioned. Definitely a website. You can Google water wolf lures or bass magnet lures. It'll take you both to the same site. It's a combo website. So there's pages for each side. Um, on Facebook, water wolf lures, also bass magnet lures, and then my personal Mike Nabolsi. So you can find me that way on Instagram. Uh, as water wolf lures and bass magnet lures as well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, anything that you want to say, you know, before we, before we end this, because I just want to say thank you to you for listening. First of all, giving us the time, you know, to, to, to take the time to listen to our podcast and uh, you know, take the time to join us here tonight. We've had a blast doing yeah, this. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, Owen, that's you. the, you know, working in the shop, I, I'm always searching for great podcasts to listen to and unique ones because, as you know, there's there's a lot of podcasts out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of musky podcasts. And then there's not a lot of good musky podcasts that have content that's interesting, you know, where they're not just talking about one bait for an hour or about how right. great it is and that sort of thing. And you guys, like, it's, it's just funny. Sometimes there's like, how come I haven't heard of that one before? You know, <laughs> so I listened to one, and, and the nice thing is, you guys go for for probably the longest amount of time compared to most of the podcasts that are out there. Um, right. Yeah. So I thank you guys for taking the time because you know you're not getting paid for doing this. I would imagine. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. No. But you know, all that, I get oh. is bitched at by my wife. Exactly. <laughs> but the, the long form aspect is something that we really like is that, you know, you, you hear these podcasts and you get little snippets of people and you don't really get to, you know, get the feel for get who they are them. as a person. And, and I yeah. feel like we, we've kind of joked that this is we kind of call these a fireside chat, just that we're here to just kind of talk about it. You know, we're not here to grill anybody. We're not here to tell anyone that they're doing something wrong, doing something right. Like if we've used your baits, great. Like, we're not here to promote anyone, so to speak. We're not asking anyone for baits. You know, you know, we're yeah. just here to kind of give an honest opinion on on us as completely amateur fish musky fishermen 
and uh and and I, you know i hope we do a little bit of justice to a guy like you who has put his heart and soul into you know making a bait that has literally changed my life but you know and i'm sure other people out there and i will say when we found out mike that you listened we were like holy shit mike yeah. from Waterwolf <laughs> listens to our podcast what you know what like, i'm just a guy that puts on pants one leg at a time like you guys <laughs> well nick does when he gets them on he makes awesome swim baits so. i never That's wear it. pants no I have, nick... to wear long, I have to wear long pants because hot plastic burns uh... <laughs> you guys are wrong nick wears pants he never wears shirts. Shirtless musky picks 2022. It's all about. That's gotta be tough up there in Canada. It doesn't get as warm. Oh yeah. dude. Mike's got flies. warmer blood than us. We got we got colder blood. This Canadian's got nice blood. They can yeah. handle the cold well. Nick sounds this was like a blast. You're gonna be doing a calendar then, I guess. Oh right? yeah. Yep. He's the front page. A lot of chest hair. <laughs> There's only five of us in 12 months. So yep. yeah, it's three months. You might have to have some guests. Bunch of pages. Two of us gets to go, you know, at least you three know, times. Well, a buddy of mine, like, that I was talking about you guys, he said, yeah, my mom into this podcast and i wondered what she was doing searching the internet looking for- we saw that comment <laughs> yeah, saw that. yeah it's so, sean ryan the guy i fish with yeah he says well, just- shout out to sean's mom if she's listening to us right now <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the listen yeah yeah that's great yeah, sean's a great guy i've never met his mom but you know she must- sounds like a wonderful lady yeah wonderful lady. Oh. yeah thank well, you Mike- so much yeah. Thank you, man. Can I can't was, say thank you enough. That was Thanks, great. Yeah, and man, uh, this was awesome. Let's keep in touch because if you guys are Definitely. going to Larry, you never know. You know, we might run into each other out there. Yeah. 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 A couple of these guys are going to the Larry this summer. So yeah. you might see will, a black uh, tracker following right behind you, very close in your <laughs> wake, wherever you're at. <laughs> Asking it's lots of questions. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Well, thanks again, right, guys. Mike. Thank, Thank you, Mike. Awesome. Thanks, we'll Mike. definitely keep in touch. And this will probably right. air what next Thursday, right, guys? Yeah, thanks. So. Yeah, next Thursday. Yeah. Yep. So keep an eye out for it next Thursday, Mike. I'll be listening. Uh, All right. Uh, thanks, Have a good Mike. night, fellas. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Good, good luck. Thanks, out there. Mike. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again. See you guys. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. O don't play.